This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Seismic shocks, upsets, last-minute winners and former champions crashing out. In terms of the football on show, the World Cup in Qatar has already been one of the most memorable and incredible tournaments in its 92-year history. And it's not done yet. I'm Straits Times sports correspondent Sazali Abdul Aziz reporting from the ground here in Doha where I have been since the kickoff of the World Cup. On this episode of ST Sports Talk, I sit down at Qatar's famous Souk Wakif Marketplace and share a coffee with James Walton, sports business group leader for Deloitte Southeast Asia and England Dreamer who is here to catch some of the action as well. We talk about what the atmosphere has been like here at the first World Cup in the Middle East how it compares to previous tournaments, and of course, chat about the football we've witnessed too. So, hi James, uh, hey, we're here at a, a nice cafe at Suk Wakif, no less. Uh, how has it been for you in the, the, the last four days since you've been here? It's a blur, man. It's, a, it's an absolute blur. We were just talking, like, it, this is now my fifth day, but there's just so much happening, there's so much football going on. Yeah. Um, and, and I think... I'm attributing it partly to the timing of the games being so late in the evening, particularly like the 10 o'clock kickoffs. Yeah. It means that you spend the whole day doing stuff. Yeah. And then you rock up at the game at 9 o'clock yeah. and, and then you come out at midnight and it takes an hour to get home and everything is still open. The, it, days, it, the days just seem exceptionally It feels long like here, two days right? in one. It yeah. feels like you yeah. have a day up until you go yeah. to the football and then a day after. And the, the sun football. rises at like 5. And goes so. down at 4 in the <laughs> afternoon, which yeah. is just surreal. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, but, but, but that's the thing, you know, we, we, we were saying about how it seems like, you know, at the end of the night, you you feel like you've lived two days. Yeah. Um, as a fan, you know, how, how does that sort of like compare to your experience at Russia, for example, because you were at the Russia World Cup four years ago. Yeah, so, the experience in, in Brazil as well and in Russia was, was very different because you could only go to, if you stayed in one city, like if you stayed in Moscow, even Moscow with two stadiums, Rio, Sao Paulo, there was only a game every three days, four days, five days. And so you had a day with a game and then you have two, three days. You, you just live a normal life. You're on holiday. You go, you sightsee, you do whatever. And, and so you were very much, this is a game day, this is a non-game day. The thing here in Qatar, because all the stadiums are, are so close and you can even go like tonight, I'm going two games, France game and then the England game, which was impossible before because Moscow was in one place and St. Petersburg was in another place, right? It... it it means that you literally, you plan your day, like up until nine o'clock, I'm going to do this. And then at 10 o'clock, I'm going to go watch the football. Yeah. So yeah. your days end up being quite packed. There's no yeah. football off days, basically. I think yeah. we've got one or two days at the end of this round of 16. And you're just in the same place all the time. And I think that's why it all just blurs together. It's a great tournament for uh, late risers. You oh, know, yeah, you, yeah. Those who, who can just sleep their morning away. Yeah. They have a perfect, you know, light afternoon and then yeah. and then football at night. But if you know, for morning morning people, it just seems like a blur, you know. And, and you are a morning person. And for so. diehard football fans who want to go see two, even no. three games in a day, yeah. uh, you you can do it. And then, like you say, sleep it off and wake up the next day for the next games. Yeah. I, I think there's a fair few people that have come here thinking they're going to have a bit of a holiday and being consumed by football. But you know, <laughs> about the the stadiums being so close to each other, isn't it? I mean, how strange is that? Like you mentioned about. You know, if you were in in, in uh, Moscow or, or you know, they wouldn't even or... let you buy tickets for yeah. two games in one yeah. day. Exactly, yeah. and and now you know, yesterday I, I met a, a bunch of Singaporeans who also caught both games. So it's almost like 
the World Cup is being hosted in Singapore, where you know it's like you know forty kilometers or fifty kilometers away. Uh, Except for Albite, which is an absolute Albaid, it's nightmare. A, it's a nightmare to travel to. Yes. That is a different yeah. country. I don't care what they say. Someone, <laughs> so one of my friends from Singapore was describing it like that's like saying it's Singapore, but it's actually JB. You got to uh, yes. get across the causeway. That's and, actually you know. a perfect, uh, perfect way to no, describe it. But it's funny because they talk about how the stadiums are only thirty minutes apart and all that. But I can tell anyone who's who's ever been to a World Cup, if you haven't been to a World Cup, the worst thing about a World Cup is getting out of the stadium afterwards. Because FIFA, in order to do crowd control and to thin out and to avoid crushes at the Metro, they lead you like this merry dance yep. where you can literally be 100 meters from the Metro, but you'll walk 1.5 kilometers in a loop where they take you all yeah. the way out and all the way back just to thin out the, yeah. the crowds, right? And so... Actually, they say, oh, half an hour from this stadium to this stadium. Hey, 45 minutes, I'm still walking to the metro. Yeah. And then I got to get on the metro. And then at the other end, I got to do another another walk. Yeah. And but, but these long walks, I mean, they're, they're almost part and parcel. It's of, good exercise. Yeah. I mean, I'm clocking my steps every day. But it, but I do, it means that, like, I'm looking tonight. The first game is Alphamama Stadium, yeah. which is all the way down free zone. Yeah. The second one is Albay. Yeah. I've had to put on a, a car. I got a private car picking me up right. at Alphamama and rushing up there. Yeah. And even that is going to be tight. If that France game goes to extra time, oh. I'm going to have to leave before the end. It would be impossible. And and even Altomama with your with your own higher I will car, make it about 15 minutes, 20 minutes to spare. Yeah. And, and and they'll drop you off at. Uh, I'm in the hospitality. I'm okay. I'm closer. Oh, okay. If I was in the spectator, okay. I wouldn't make it. Because, <laughs> because I I went uh, to Altomama for Belgium Morocco. Yeah. The Uber dropped me off at open. You know, basically a car park drop off point. You and Albay, it's the same. It's a huge you, walk. Yeah, you yeah. still had to cross a highway yeah. to get to get on an overhead bridge to get to the stadium. I, so, I made friends. Uh, I don't know if I should say this on the podcast, but I made friends with the guy at the hospitality center. Okay. And like every game, he's given me like a hospitality car pass, even if I'm not in hospitality, which basically means my car can drop me at the hospitality and then leave. It pays to make friends with people, oh right? Yeah, it saves a lot of trouble. But uh, having you, you mentioned about the long walks, the probably the, the longest walk is the one out of Fan Fest. Yeah. You you were there obviously. What Last was the experience night, yeah. like um, at that Fan Fest, and how does it compare again to the previous World Cups? You know, I, I'd been to Fan Fest once already. I was there the yeah. night of France Tunisia, and it was eh, it's okay. Yeah. But last night was rocking. And yeah. I think it's partly because it's Argentina. And again, Argentina, one of those teams that brings the most fans of anyone. And they are extreme. They are really loud. They sing the whole game. And it was absolutely packed last night. And again, I think, I think that's one of the things that's different about this World Cup. When you look at Brazil, Russia, there was a fan fest in every city. Mm. So there was one in Moscow. There was one in St. Petersburg. And in fact, Moscow had a couple. Um, there was one in Volgograd. So if you're in Volgograd and you can't go to the game, you can go to the fan fest. But equally, if you're not in Volgograd, you can go to the fan fest in Moscow, whatever. And each one takes 50,000 people. Mm. But here we've only really got one fan fest. Mm. There's a few smaller things yeah. around. But it means everybody who doesn't have a ticket we'll is there. congregating yeah. on that one yeah. on that one place. So see that huge it's pretty, yeah. um, it's pretty manic. And one of the other interesting things people didn't realize is just like in Singapore, in Qatar, the hotels and the bars have to pay a lot of money to show live games. Yep, they they yep, pay the business yep. rate, right? Same as we get with Singtel and Starhub. So a lot of the hotels and bars 
are not showing not, the yeah. game. TGI Fridays yesterday, I was I was just having a, a, a drink after the game and the second game. We well, deserve that figure in the TGI Fridays. So that we'll leave, that's a different, we'll do a different podcast for that yeah, one. Yeah, I, I regretted the choice. <laughs> but it's it's like even in my hotel room the other night, there were two channels showing. One was BN and, and one was yeah. a local channel. And they were both showing Serbia, Switzerland. And I was like, I want to watch Brazil, Cameroon. Man, what are you, what are you doing, right? So a lot of people going to the Fan Fest, number one, because of that. And number two, of course, because Fan Fest is the only place you can get alcohol. And so a lot of people going there because you want to drink a beer. You can't drink a beer at the games. You can't drink a beer in most places, but you can drink a beer in the, in the Fan Fest. But so... Um how many more days will you be in, you know? Um, uh, I don't know if I'm ever coming home after this, I tell you. Which may, <laughs> depending upon how I behave. Um, I'm here all the way through to the final. All right. So I got a long way to go yet. And you do have a lot more, you know, off-field activities planned before you, you get to the final and before you get back Yeah, to I mean, I'm taking the opportunity while I'm here. So, like, yesterday went paratriking, which was quite surreal down yeah. the sea line. Um, and uh, going up into the mangroves and, and going uh, kayaking in the mangroves. Tomorrow, going to the mu- Museum of Islamic Art. I mean, you're in a country, you've got to experience Does it. Does right? it feel more like a traditional holiday than, you know, at other World Cups? No, feel less, no? less. Less so? Less because of just how much football there is and everywhere mm. you go. Like I say, in, in Moscow before, on the off days, you could just be in Moscow. And it just happens that there's a World Cup happening. Whereas here, every single day, because every day you get on the metro, wherever you're going, there's people going to a game yeah, because yeah. the metro is so condensed. Yeah. So it was like it was, one line takes you to two, three. So stadiums. yesterday yeah. I, I got on here at, at Mishareb, which is one of the yeah. big, big uh, terminals, right? Yeah. And there was literally there was Argentina fans going this way and Australia <laughs> fans going the same way. But yeah. then you had France. You had what was the other game yesterday? Uh, Netherlands. Netherlands. You had Netherlands. Netherlands fans at the same station going the other way. It's really quite strange, you know. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. And now, back to our conversation from the Souk Wakif Marketplace in Qatar with Deloitte Southeast Asia Sports Business Group leader, James Walton. So at the time of our recording, uh, you know, Argentina and Netherlands are through before we go to any other teams, you know, Messi scored again, um, third goal already of the tournament. Do you think even at this stage, whatever happens beyond here, at least we settled the Messi-Ronaldo debate? Or was that for you a long, you know, settled uh, argument already? You know, because Ronaldo hasn't been, you know, he's trying to claim goals that are not his and, <laughs> you know. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not actually in either camp on the Messi-Ronaldo thing. I'm not a fanboy on, on either side. I can appreciate both of them. I can also appreciate Pele, you know, and, and, and others that are in that argument. Even people whose names don't show up in that argument, like Johan Croy uh-huh. and people like that, right? But I think Messi has shown up at this tournament in a way that Ronaldo hasn't. And I was at the Korea-Portugal game the other day. Yeah, wow. and, and, okay, I mean, he did big hand in the first goal. But I can tell you, the whole rest of the game, he was completely anonymous. Yep, yep. Um, and you watch him, he's basically standing around. And the difference between Ronaldo and Messi, because if you watch Messi, he stands around a fair bit as well. But what Messi does is he moves 
into a space, yeah. takes the defender with him, yeah. leaves a hole in front of a defense, and stands there because he knows he's being man-marked. Mm. Ronaldo stands around in the right middle. on the center back, yeah. right yeah. in the yeah. middle, which means he's clogging the lane yeah. Yeah. and bringing the defender there. And he just looks like, you know, I was telling friends before the game, if Portugal pick Ronaldo for that game that they didn't need to win, yeah. then it's a sign that they're going for the golden boot. I was very surprised as Not well, for yeah. the trophy. And it yeah. was interesting to see Fernandes and all these guys on the bench. Fernandes, who has two goals, by the way, yeah. better off going for the golden yeah. boot. Yeah. And then Ronaldo starts. And Ronaldo, surely the player that would have needed more of a rest. Yeah. That, to me, was a yeah. was a strange one, right? Yeah. So to me, Messi has... He hasn't set the world alight so far. Yeah. But he's he's shown up. Mm -hmm. um, which is more than other people have. Last night for me, the Netherlands game was interesting because I thought I haven't been convinced by the Netherlands this tournament. Absolutely. They, uh, they, I, they got the job yeah. done again yesterday. Possibly got outplayed by the US, but they were clinical. I still think the lack of a proper striker may hurt them in the later rounds. And like you said, you know, they, they, they didn't... It was so strange because they, they looked fairly comfortable without being in total control. This is, not the, this is not the Netherlands team we yeah. all grew up with, right? It's Surrendering 67% possession or whatever it was. It was so strange. So, yeah, it was it was a very strange game. And I think everybody or, or a lot of people sort of like went away from that thinking, you know, they, they can play some pretty football, but we don't know if, you know, they have what it takes. You get the feeling they need that little... Memphis Depay, Depay doesn't convince. Yeah. Bergwijn doesn't, you know, had a glorious run coming in, but not there. At the moment, you know, if Gakpo scores, they look good. If not, but they've got a solid base. They've still got a decent defense. They're, they're, Argentina interests me because this feels a bit to me like the last Copa America. That there's almost like a feeling that they're just going to find a way. Mm. That they're yeah, going to yeah, yeah. dig deep, that they're doing it for Messi, you know. This one means more, all that stuff, right? Now is all, I think we're supposed to say this time, right? And and that they're just going to find a way. Yeah. And I was telling someone last night, like, Argentina-Brazil in a semi-final, possibly. Yeah. With Neymar, the word is now, he may not even be fully yeah. fit I by mean, the semi-final. They say now, walking, but, but they say yeah. best hope of fully fit is semi-final. Mm which feels very much like, you know, Ronaldo at the World Cup a few years ago, yes. not fit for the final type thing. The real Ronaldo, I guess. And you sit there and you say, an Argentina playing for Messi in a semi-final against a Brazil with an unfit Neymar who may play anyway. Mm. Yeah. When you put it that way. Well, you, 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 but long way to go before then. <laughs> yeah, and you talk about this Argentina team and, you know, how they, they just seem to be able to find a way. Some teams did not find a way out, you know, Belgium and uh, Germany among them. What do you make of these surprises uh, at the World Cup so far? You know, I think for a lot of us, we're getting old, right? We're old and we're, we're stuck in some preconceived notions. And I, I, I did a Facebook post yesterday where I said, when you looked at the groups, for people of, of, of I'll, I'll say our age, I know you're younger <laughs> than me, but we'll say our age. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I do feel older than my age sometimes oh, yeah. when talking to the younger ones. <laughs> but, but you looked at the groups and you went, Wow. Okay, you've got Spain here with uh, you got you got Spain, Spain Germany. Germany, and Belgium, Croatia, and in the next round they're going to meet. We're going to have two super ties in yeah, the yeah, next yeah. round, right? And and there was you looked at the draw and you kind of said all that and you said, oh, maybe England will slip into second or Netherlands will slip into second, and you'll get Netherlands England. And you look at the superpowers and you like in that Group H, you look at Uruguay, surely. And then the question is, will Korea or Ghana do an upset? For some of these teams, we sometimes look past the form too much. And and we don't... 
kind of look at the players and the form and where they're at. And we there was to look at heritage as well, Jose Mourinho. Well, there was a fantastic yeah. comment from one of the managers the other day. I'm, I'm struggling now to remember who it was, but he said the reason why a lot of the upsets are happening at this World Cup is because there wasn't enough prep time. It was quite short. And he talked about what, what we call the automatisms, right? The, yeah. the, the phases of play. Yeah. That when you get your national teams together, and Conte is famous for this at Spurs, right? Yeah. It's all about when this happens, we do this. When yeah. this happens, and they drill it. And usually they get three, four weeks before the tournament to drill it. Mm. And the teams are not getting the time to do that. There's less rest time before games. There's more injuries. The pitches yesterday, the Argentina pitch was shocking. There were a number of times where you think, that Belgium-Croatia game was played on that pitch two days ago. Mm. There were a lot of times there were shots being taken where the players were looking down at, at the pitch. There's so many variables in this tournament. And so suddenly you look at this, this round of 16 and you say, if you look at the traditional big powers, there's actually only literally very evenly distributed. There's yeah. eight left yeah. and one is in each tie. Yeah. So you've got Spain over here, Portugal over here, Croatia, Brazil, England, Netherlands, France and Argentina. And then lining up against them, you've got Australia, Senegal, Switzerland, yeah. Senegal, yeah. Japan, yeah. Korea, all, all kind of in the mix. And you're kind of going like, wow, you yeah. know? But us traditionalists, we still look at the quarterfinals and we still go, okay, Argentina, Netherlands, Argentina, Spain, Brazil, Portugal, China. England, yeah. France, yeah. and Croatia, Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. And you still think that. But I said on my Facebook, I, I think two out of the eight will be upset that's, that's and, I, and, and I was betting on three that I think could throw it and I actually had USA Netherlands as, as a potential Yeah, yeah. and I think they, they possibly should have done they really should have done I definitely did not have Australia against Argentina yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, but the fact that they kept it to, to a goal and had a, and had a last minute I mean okay the goal was a ridiculous goal although it may have been a penalty if it didn't go in because it flew off his arm right they did absolutely nothing up to that point they except keep it tight absolutely nothing but I mean it's so goalkeeping far. errors yeah, right yeah, yeah. so you know um, at the risk of jinxing you know the uh, other teams who have not played yet including your, your, your England, England. Uh -huh. um, but you know who have impressed you so far you know I, I know it's been an odd tournament when there's been no you know outstanding you, you have a team. group stage where no team won all its games yeah which is which very is rare time, yeah. I think fourth time ever yeah. I think. Yeah. so you sat there after the first game and you said wow England and Spain and then you saw Spain just about play out a draw with Germany yeah. and then okay they rested five or six players but they didn't look great yeah you know you said France, wow, and then they rested, and then they got a few players a lot of and got injuries, injured, yeah. and you kind of went, Ugh, right? Yeah. You said England, wow, and then they played US and didn't show up. Yeah, and you know, there's a school of thought that always says, well, you know, if you don't lose when you don't show up, England didn't lose, right? When they didn't show up, right? <laughs> then it is that I love, I love the optimism that's you know, showing on your face right now. Well, some supporters <laughs> of foreign teams said to me, okay, England had. Seven points, which is as much as anybody. Yeah. In the, in, on paper, the hardest group, three teams in the top 20 in the world. Yeah. It was on, on FIFA rankings, whether yeah. you believe that or not. Yeah. Wales looked very limited. But the US, we talked about Argentina, we talked about Brazil. Uh, I, I just feel like Japan with their last minute acts, one day that doesn't work. Yeah. Korea were very lucky with how things played out in yeah. that group. Sometimes you want to be playing the best team in the group in the last game. You definitely don't want to be Belgium against, you know, Croatia in the last game, needing both teams needing to win to go through or something like that. So for me, ha, I'm, I'm looking at France. 
And I think Argentina or Brazil on the other side, depending upon whether Neymar comes back or not, I, I think it's going to be France-Argentina. Mm. And, you know, you've, like I said, you've been here for this. The football has been almost non-stop. Yeah. Uh, just to end it off, you know, what has been, you know, your you know, football moment of the World Cup so far? You were at the Korea game. I was at the Korea game, lucky. which was... Was that, was that the one, that last-minute goal from Hee-chan? That, that, that Korea game, for me, summed up everything that's good and bad about this World Cup, honestly. <laughs> because... What you had in the stadium, 75% of the stadium were Ronaldo fanboys yes. wearing Portugal shirts yep. who knew absolutely nothing. Yep. A, lo- a lot of locals, yeah. They were cheering when he scored goals in the warm-ups and booing when, when like people <laughs> went near him and stuff. And, and I can tell you, I mean, that, okay, that's okay, yeah. right? I mean, I've never experienced that in, in Brazil or Russia where, you know, usually you have the local supporters are quite neutral yeah. and then you have the team supporters, right? But then what was weird was when Ronaldo went off, like the whole atmosphere in the place, other than the Korea and the Portugal fans, who are the minority, everyone else just lost interest and it went flat. And no one really cared from that point. But it was a fantastic moment for Korea. And I stayed in the stadium for that nine minutes after the final whistle where they were in the huddle. And I just stood there waiting, watching. And I remembered, you know, Sonny crying after the the Germany game back in 2018 when they won but didn't qualify. So that was... Footballing-wise, so far, I mean, I was at Croatia, Belgium. I was at Germany, Costa Rica, which was quite surreal. Uh, football-wise, oh, yeah. that night—that was a surreal night. Yes, I was at the other game. I was at Japan, Spain. Yeah. So you know, everybody was checking their phones or the score of the other game, and and it's it's like people were cheering the tables that were being flashed on on the screen. So uh, that, that was one of the, the most incredible nights of of, uh, of World Cup history. Honestly, I mean, I think that Korea Portugal. Yeah. I mean, of all the things that have happened in this tournament and the upsets that have happened, I think that alongside Japan stands out. And I wasn't at the Japan games, but I think the Korea one even more because it was an injury time goal. Whereas the Japan, they kind of scored and then. Yeah. Hung on, but Korea on did like not that. look like scoring at all. Sonny didn't have in that game. Son was, had a shot. Yeah, Son did less than Ronaldo did <laughs> up to that point. <laughs> saying yeah? something. Uh, okay, James, thank you so much no, for, for you, the man. chat, and uh, you know, let's hope the rest of your tournament goes uh, brilliantly. Uh, starting tonight, yeah, I need an England win. <laughs> <laughs>